Well, hi again, everyone. Welcome to Behind the Bench. I'm John Kelly here on 101 ESPN. And tonight's show brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Boardwalk has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Visit a showroom in Crestwood, Manchester, or St. Peter's, or online at boardwalkhardwood.com. The Blues taking on the Oilers a bit later tonight here at Edmonton. Of course, they've been here since Wednesday following their victory in Calgary, the Blues City with a record of 31-12-8, 70 points in first place, 8 points up on Colorado, and 10 points ahead of the third-place Dallas Stars. And, Coach, uh, I know you're from nearby Callahoo, so normally when a team comes to Edmonton in the middle of the winter, there's not a lot to do, but I guess for you it's a bit of a homecoming here in Edmonton. Yeah, for sure. So, I, you know, I head home and see everybody at home spend the night there, which was nice because we got a couple days. So, you know, I have the opportunity to do that, and it's, it's nice to go see everybody and see my parents and my sister and, and friends and stuff like that. So good time. Go back and relax and, uh, you know, watch your Oiler-Calgary game, which was an exciting game. And, uh, you know, it's good to see everybody. The people around here were telling me it was about 35 below a few weeks ago. Uh, how do people survive in 35 below? They're used to it. I mean, like, to be honest with you, um, a lot of my friends and, and my dad and all these guys were all pipeliners growing up, and they work in this weather. Like, that's good working weather for them. Um, but, you know, the weather's actually pretty nice here now, but in about a week it's going to get to uh, minus 65 around here, which is really unusual. That's really cold. Yeah, I would say minus 65. My goodness. All right. The Blues, of course, out of the all-star break, the bye week, a loss in Vancouver, a 3-1 setback Monday, and then you come back on Tuesday with a 5-4 shootout victory. But, uh, Coach, based on your post-game comments after the Monday loss and the Tuesday win, it's almost like you, you liked your game, your team's game better in the loss. Well, we played a pretty good game. I thought, <clears throat> you know, you know, we were pretty tight defensively. I thought that uh, we did a good job. They got some real high-end players on Vancouver, but I thought we limited them and did a good job, but we didn't score enough goals. I mean, we had good opportunities. We didn't shoot the puck very well in that game and uh, just missed some real good opportunities to score some goals. And, you know, the, their goalie played well. I'll give them credit. So, uh, But, you know, from you know a standpoint of structure and work ethic and competitiveness, we were pretty good that night. Yeah, very good indeed. Uh, what were the challenges, uh, Coach, in hindsight of, of coming out of the break with only one practice under your belt playing back-to-back games? Yeah, and I said it before. I said we're going to have good energy in, in the first game, and we did, and, and we were competitive. But execution becomes a little bit of an issue, and that's really what it boiled down to in that game. Our execution wasn't great. You know, you're not shooting the puck as well. Your timing's a little bit off and, and just things like that because you haven't practiced much and you've been off for a week. Coach, you mentioned uh, the goaltender Thatcher Demko of the Canucks. He was superb, as you said, stopping 36 of 37 in that victory on Monday. He also beat you back in St. Louis. Um, Is it tough going up against a goaltender that you don't really have a big book on because he's such a young goalie? Well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I'm not sure, but he's a big guy, and again, he's beaten us twice now. Like he's big in net, and you know, you got to really, you know, shoot the puck prop well on him because he's big and he covers a lot of net, especially the lower half. And we didn't get the puck up, you know, in that game. Like you got to, you got to pick corners on him uh, if you want to score on him. And we didn't do that. Co- uh, coach, in the uh, game in Vancouver, your power play, 0 for three. It was better in Calgary, and then the PK wasn't very good in Calgary. So was that a a byproduct of not having much practice time coming out of the break? 
Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, that penalty kill in Calgary was very um, slop. Well, sloppy is not the word. Just we didn't we didn't run routes properly, and they made us pay. You know, the first goal is a lucky goal. The guy fans on the shot, and it's a flubber shot that it it goes high. And you know, normally, you know, we probably are in a shooting lane on that, which we were, but it missed everybody, including our goalie. And it's kind of a lucky goal. Um, but you know, we just made mistakes. We like we just again, it's just mistakes that we made on a PK that we normally don't make, and you know, they executed on their their opportunities off of it. Coach, we mentioned the Blues had 37 shots in the game in Vancouver. Shen and Schwartz combined for 10 shots in that game, along with Cairo um, on that line. Um, I'm sure you liked what you saw, but obviously wanted more results. Well, definitely, yeah. They That line the last two games probably had the most chances on the team and um, again you know they, they're they're hitting posts and things Shen hit three posts in the Calgary game and you know he's a little bit snake bit right now but he'll be he'll come out of it he's he's shooting a puck well right now I think and his shots uh, improving uh, right now for me so it'll go in eventually and you know again Schwartz had some good opportunities and Kyrie that line's been good so you know I'm hoping that line can keep you know doing what they're doing and I hope Kyrie keeps building and get his game and keeps using his speed and he was more competitive on pucks and stuff so that's what he's got to keep doing uh, the good news in that game Colton Pareko returned after missing seven games with an upper body injury uh, your thoughts on his game and you know a player coming off an injury like a Pareko or a Sammy Blay who missed 28 um, generally speaking how long does it take a, a player to get back up to 100% well it takes some time but I thought Colton's game really came around later on in the Vancouver game and you know he he's fine. He he did some real good things. Uh, but you know there's some things where you're just a little bit slow in reacting. Um, you know at times and that t- that just takes a little bit of time. Been out a, been out a little bit. All right, Craig Ruby. After that game, the Blues, of course, the next night a shootout win in Calgary. Steen, Perron, Schwartz, and Sanford with the goals. The Blues win in the shootout two nothing. But after the game, uh, what were your exact words? You, you hated the game. Uh, obviously, you liked the two points, but you didn't like it, did you? No, I didn't like that game. I don't. I don't like that. Kind kind of hockey you know and I get it's exciting I get it Uh, but we were very um, you know loose in the game Uh, breakaways and two-on-ones and three-on-twos and you know that's not our style and we can't get into that type of game you know Binner I thought did a great job of uh, um, locking that game down in the second half because it could have got ugly Uh, you know they had some good opportunities that we gave them and that's not they're not earned by that team that's given by us. You mentioned Bennington, Coach, and we noticed during a couple of stoppages um, the Flames were crashing the net, and he got a little bit upset. You must love his compete and battle level in games like that. Oh, I do, and you know he kind of he gets himself going that way. You know, I think he knew that he needed to get into the game a little bit more after the first three goals, and he did. Um, and you know, he kind of gets involved a little bit that way, and that's what gets him going. Coach, you mentioned he didn't like all the odd man rushes, and I think there were four in that second period. Goudreau had a couple of breakaways, but in the third, you locked it down, played better, only seven shots against. So, what adjustments, if any, did you make after the second, or was just a a matter of the players and the team uh, battling harder. Yeah, I, I just went in there and just basically 
point blank told them, you know, our defense, don't pinch because we're not backing you up, first of all. And, you know, when you come in there and you're just abrupt like that, they understand. They know what they're doing. They're not dumb. And so our guys were very, um, you know, they did a great job coming on the third period and playing the right way. Uh, and, of course, the Blues win in the shootout for the first time this year. Um, a lot of fans wonder about the, the shootout and, and why you choose certain guys. Um, how is it determined and what's the order? Well, it's determined on, you know, guys that are, per, you know, pretty good at shootouts and uh, Perron, you know, I mean, he, he can, you know, he scores. So he, he likes to go first, uh, him or Bozak. I normally like them to go first because they're they're both real good shootout guys. And if you can get that first goal, it's important. And O'Reilly's the type of guy, we went left, uh, righty-lefty just to mix it up um, instead of righty-righty. But, you know, we kind of use the same guys most of the time. I mean, O'Reilly, Perron, Bozak. Shannon goes sometimes. Um, you know, Sammy Blaze back. He's a he's a guy that could maybe uh, go on a shootout too. So it's just guys that are comfortable that they 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 want to go. First of all, there's a lot of guys that really probably don't like it and don't want to do it, and they don't feel comfortable in doing it. And so you got to have guys that want to go and they're comfortable in doing it. All right, so the Blues get the victory, 5-4 to shootout. They play later tonight here against Edmonton. Coach, it's our first show since the All-Star Weekend in St. Louis. Of course, you were the head coach of the Central Division team. How did you enjoy the weekend? Well, it was a great weekend, really. I mean, for me, it was like, you know, my first one, and it was just, it was really fun to be around everybody and just enjoy it and, uh, you know, have my kids there and enjoying it that my kids love all the players and my kids can come in and meet Wayne Gretzky and Brett Hall and get autographs from them you know that's pretty tough to beat I mean that's great stuff and uh, just to be able to hang around with those guys and be around them and be around all the players and you know chance to talk to a lot of them it was a lot of fun uh, obviously, you don't know a lot of the, the players personally from the other clubs. Did you did you learn anything in particular about some of these other guys? Well, I don't know. They're just they're all good guys. Like you know, it's just a loose atmosphere around there. And I think yeah, you know, I was laughing just <laughs> some of our guys in our team. They got tie downs on and stuff like that. They they, they know I was a tough guy and they they <laughs> joke around. Hollabuck was uh, chatting with me about maybe getting in a fight and things like that. So they're they're it's a lot of fun. I mean. But, uh, you know, it's just an honor for me to be involved in that um, all-star game. And I thought St. Louis did a great job of uh, hosting it, and the fans were great. And the whole thing, they did a real nice job. Yeah, in addition, uh, you had the great Brett Hall. You mentioned him. He was behind the bench with you. I saw some of the the audio from from behind the bench. Uh, what was it like being back there with Holly? Oh, it's great. He's, you know, Holly's got such a great personality and was such a great player, and it's just fun to listen to him. And, you know, he, I'm glad he came back there and, and did that with us. Uh, that was awesome. I think, you know, the players loved it too because, if you, you know, you look at Brett Hall, and he's one of the best goal scorers of all time. And he's such, like I said, he's got such a great personality and a great guy to be around. All right, Coach, meanwhile, the Blues uh, practicing at Edmonton, but no Oscar Sundquist. He is on IR, but you were saying the other day it doesn't look like it's a, a long-term kind of issue. I don't think so. Uh, but, you know, again, we got to make sure that he's 100% healthy before he comes back. And, you know, he'll he'll go on IR here and rest up, and he'll be, he'll be back pretty soon. He won't think it'll be too long. And meanwhile, the Blues have recalled Troy Brower. Uh, obviously, he had been put on waivers, and uh, Doug Armstrong said the other day that he was going to consider his 
his options. So it's sort of funny the way things work in this game. Now he's back with the big club. Well, yeah, and I'm, I love Browse, and uh, it's a tough situation when you got a lot of players and young guys and stuff like that. And he, we brought him in when we were injured and did a good job for us. And he's such a great guy to have around our locker room, a veteran guy that's won cups. And um, again, great personality, great leader. So we're happy he's back. I really like him around, and um, you know, hopefully we get him in a game here. Meanwhile, Coach, you take on an Oiler club that on Wednesday night lost to the Calgary Flames 4-3 in a shootout. The much-anticipated meeting between Zach Cassian of Edmonton and Matthew Kachuk of the Calgary Flames. Uh, first of all, what do you think of all the buildup? It's almost like it was old school where a couple of villains get together in the wild, wild west. I love the competitiveness of all of it. I mean, you know... Matthew's a competitor, and he, he's 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 a tough guy. Like he he plays the game, you know, the old school way, and you know he he took some liberties and some shots on Cassian, which is fine, and Cassian did what he did, which is fine. And then, you know, you watched the game last night. I thought it was awesome. It was a great game. Um, you know, that kind of hockey's not there a lot, but I thought it was um, you know a highly anticipated game. It was a competitive game, and and then they fought, which was you know I got to give Matthew credit you know he, he drops his gloves with a very tough guy and that takes a lot guts to do that and he did a good job obviously we're not advocating you know people getting hurt or things like that but do you think the game could use more of these types of rivalries coach well, it definitely it definitely could throughout the year. I think um, it's definitely there in the playoffs for sure. Uh, the competitiveness and intense intensity of the game really goes up. But uh, throughout the season, it's nice to see what, and, and could use a little bit more of that for sure. Um, but it's not easy to do. It's a tough schedule and it's a lot of hockey, so it's hard to do. But it is nice to see. All right, Coach. Meanwhile, the Blues, of course, in Edmonton, and then Saturday night in Winnipeg. Talk about the challenges of playing. Uh, two good teams on a back-to-back situation. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, <clears throat> but that's, again, that's the schedule, and every team faces it all year long, and it's just part of the schedule that we got to battle. I mean, we got a tough game here tomorrow. We, we know it's a hard game, and Edmonton's a good, very good team, and when you got McDavid and Dreisaitl on the other side, you know, you got to be obviously aware of the, the, those guys and do a good job on them. Um, you know, their power play is, is uh, tops in the league, so we got to be a disciplined team at the same time. You know, we got to we got to play a real hard game against them. We got to be physical. Meanwhile, the Jets, of course, always good at home. But you seem to have their number in Winnipeg. The last uh, just the playoffs, of course, and going back to last year. Don't adjust you though, Coach. Yeah, no. I mean, we played well there in that barn. Um, I think it's it's taken some time to uh, to to get to uh, that that level because we weren't that good there um, going back a, a maybe a year or so. But we played much better in that barn. We understand going into that building you know what it's like it's it's a great building they're a real good home team they they're a real good first period team at home and we've done a good job of uh, managing that game in the first period and and coming out of that first period in a good shape which just goes a long way well good luck this weekend before we let you go coach uh, the Super Bowl Sunday who do you like the Chiefs or 49ers well 
It's a tough pick, to be honest with you. Like two different teams, uh, 49ers old, are old school football. They they pound the football. Uh, the son coaches like his dad, and um, you know, obviously his dad was a great coach and probably one of the best coaches at uh, running the football and and having schemes and things like that. So they're a very good team. But I I, I know Andy Reid uh, personally from Philly days, and you know he hasn't he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. So I'd like to see him get one. You know, he deserves. One who's been a great coach for a long time, and uh, anytime you got Mahomes on your team, you got an opportunity. He's a great player. Yeah, no question. Hey, thanks for this, and uh, good luck on the weekend. Thank you very much, J.K. All right, that's the head coach Craig Berube coming up next on our show. We'll talk to longtime NHLer Louis DeBrusque, who is now a broadcaster here in Edmonton and with Hockey Night in Canada. That is coming up next here on 101 ESPN. John Kelly back on Behind the Bench here in Edmonton. The Blues and Oilers coming up a bit later tonight. Our guest is longtime NHLer Louis DeBrusque, who spent 11 years in the NHL, now a broadcaster for both the Edmonton Oilers and also Hockey Night in Canada. And Louis, obviously the Oilers in a battle right now to get in the playoffs, and I know they haven't had a lot of playoff success, only one playoff trip in the last 13 years. But do you think this addition to the Oilers club is good enough to make the playoffs? I certainly think they're trending in the right direction John and that's kind of been you know ever since obviously Connor McDavid stepped on board they did get into the playoffs and that was the first time in a decade that they had made the postseason so that kind of set the tone and set the example of the type of team they want to be and I think since then they've been striving to be that consistent team that tries to get in there on on an annual basis but you know listen Dave Tippett's come in this year he's changed some things there's been some personnel changes off the ice on the ice and you know I I like the mix they have right now I I don't know if they're going to go out and do something at the deadline I do believe they will try and tweak the team but they've done it more internally than looking on the outside Uh, Kyler Yamamoto is a guy they brought up and I think he's really solidified the top six and the most important aspect of that is they've been able to keep Dreisaitl and McDavid separated Um, that second line with New Hopkins, Dreisaitl, Yamamoto just has some great chemistry and James Neal's up on the top line right now with McDavid and Zach Cassian and that just allows you to have a one-two punch that's very formidable. Um, the bottom six was, was a big question mark this year coming into the season but I think it's kind of played itself out and this is a team that's buying into a system. They're buying into an identity, uh, a way in which the coach wants them to play. It's taken some time for them to put that together. And now I think it's just a matter of doing that consistently on a nightly basis, which is always a difficult thing to do. Louis, I think uh, we all know, and the Blues showed it last year, that depth is a key. <laughs> do the Oilers have enough depth to, to get through the, the tough days in March and April and make it? Well, that's the thing. You know, and I think I really do believe the next month is going to tell <clears> – <throat> Ken Holland a lot about this team. It's a tough schedule. Right out of the gates from the All-Star um, bi-week break, uh, it, it's not an easy tread for the Edmonton Oilers. So this is going to tell them a lot in the next week or two. And I do believe they'll act on that. If they feel they just don't have enough in the depth department to, to really grind out an opportunity to get into the playoffs this year, then they will make some changes, I think, in their roster and their organization. Um, but I think it's a feel-out process still. I do think they have people they've injected in there. They brought people up from the farm, and they've put them in there, and they've had success. They may even try and do that before they make any alterations on the roster or, or make a trade, for that matter. But uh, that's the question. That really will remains to be seen. How are they going to grind it out? I, I do think, though, you know, and I always resort back to this, when you have the greatest player in the game, they just find a way. You know, they, they eventually find a way 
to make it happen. And I do believe that Connor McDavid and Drysaddle right now look more poised than ever to put this team on their shoulders and say, let's get get ourselves to the playoffs and see what happens. Because you know, as you know very well, John, you get in there, good things can happen, and your team's a prime example of that. Looking where the St. Louis Blues were last year in January, I don't think anybody in their right mind would have put a cent on them to win the Stanley Cup. But if you would have, you would have won a lot of money. So. Um, good on them for doing that and that just goes to show you a season can turn in a month or two and you have to be aware of that you don't want to be too hasty and making changes but at the same time if you're close and you need something to push you over that edge then make a deal what kind of uh, person off the ice is Connor McDavid? You, you talk about the greatness on the ice and he's arguably the, the best player in the game but off the ice what kind of person is he? You know, he's just a kid, really, you know, and that's the that's the hard part. You know, you look at him and you watch what he does on the ice, and every single night he seems to do something that you just you shake your head at and go, wow, I can't believe what I just watched. But you understand that he's, he's just a young kid, and he's really feeling out his way in the NHL still. He hasn't still really fully developed. He hasn't filled out his body yet. I think there's still – he hasn't even come close to the ceiling. I know that's crazy, but I just still think there's more – and you see it in veteran players. You see it in veteran players, the way they manage the game, the way they manage the puck, the way they manage themselves on and off the ice. And listen, this guy goes full tilt. Even in practices yesterday after a break, after an all-star appearance again for McDavid, he was the hardest working guy on the ice. I mean, he was flying around out there. I, was, I looked down there and I'm like, this guy is five feet in front of everybody and everything that he does. It's just the what makes him tick. That's just the way he has to be. And that's why he is the best player in the game. And that's why he strives to be that each and every night. Um, but he's a good kid. You know what? Listen, he's a pretty quiet kid off the ice. He's uh, very protected. He's been brought up well in that in that department as far as uh, being very careful about what he says. And he understands, I think, at an early age, which all the greats seem to have Gretzky, you look at the, 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 the great players in any respective sport, they understand that there is a microscope over top of them and that everything they say will be heard, will be seen, and they have to be very careful, and uh, Connor's no different in that regard. He's a, he's a guy that uh, keeps things close to the vest, but I think away from everybody, lets down. He loves being around the guys, and I think he's just uh, just a kid playing in the NHL. Louis DeBrusque, we mentioned you played in the NHL for 11 years, and uh, you were a tough guy. You had a lot of battles, and of course, earlier this week, we saw the Matthew Kachuk, Zach Cassian battle in Edmonton, <laughs> and that resumes again tomorrow night in Calgary. Did does the game need more of that, or is that something that um, that we need to get out of the game? Well, I think they've tried to bring it out of the game, but what I think people just continually realize is that this is a passionate game, John. I mean, you know, you've been around this game for your whole life. It's, it's I tell you what, that's what makes it what it is, is that passion, is that desire, is that physicality. It's a tremendously skilled game, and it's the most skilled that's ever been in the history of the game. It's awesome. Some of the things these young kids come in and do right out of the get-go is remarkable, but it's still a physical game. And in a physical game with competitive people on the ice, tempers are going to rise and when tempers rise bad things are going to happen but that's what you love about the game of hockey that's what we come to watch we want to see the skill we want to see the speed but we also want to see that aspect of it too nobody wants to see anybody get hurt nobody wants to see anybody you know taken off the ice in a bad fashion but you want to have that physicality you want to have that compete so I think it's good for the game I really do I think it just builds rivalries and it just carries over from game to game and year to year 
Louie, a couple more for you. You mentioned the Blues, of course, their cup run. When did you feel, and I know you covered the Blues in the regular season and, and the playoffs, when did you feel that this team might be able to win their first cup? You know, it was the, the first round I did versus the Winnipeg Jets. You know, Winnipeg's going into that series, although they hadn't played great down the stretch, they were still looked at as the favorite, you know, going into that playoff series, in my opinion. But it was very quickly found out that the St. Louis Blues had something else different. And I remember talking to Ken Hitchcock about the St. Louis Blues earlier in the year as the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, and the one thing that always stood with me was, he said, this team's right on the verge of it, and they'll be a really, really tough out if they play the right way. And he just said, they'll be really hard to knock out of the playoffs because they have so many veteran guys in that room, and they're a deep roster, and they play a hard game, and they're heavy. And, you know, I kind of thought about it. I said, yeah, you know what, I, I see what you're saying. And the way they played down the stretch, obviously, with Jordan Bennington going in the way he did and just playing outstanding, um, he changed the whole dimension of the team. But after that first round, when they took down the Winnipeg Jets, and then they just continued to seem to pick up steam throughout the playoffs, uh, my son plays for the Boston Bruins. So I'll tell you this. <laughs> I was going to ask you about I'll your son. You, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I, I honestly didn't want them to go to the final because I knew they were going to be a very, very difficult team to beat. Um, uh, if I had to pick a matchup, they wouldn't have been the team that I would have matched up against. Let's just say that. So I knew they were very good. I covered them firsthand. I knew how aggressive they could be and how deep they were. And obviously I was correcting some of those things because they, they walked away with the cup. And they deserved That was a tremendous run. It really was. It was heartbreaking for me to see that Game 7 in Boston. I was there in the building. But you know what? I sat and I got to watch some guys that I've watched for a long time that have never hoisted that cup. And I was proud for them. A guy like Jay Bowmeister, who I've seen here in Edmonton for years, you know, to be able to lift that Stanley Cup was remarkable to him. So there's a winner, there's a loser. It was a great series, and uh, congratulations to them. You know, Louis, you know, you answered my question. You brought it up, your son, and how tough it was. And there's a great commercial on NHL Network when your son scored his first yeah. goal. You're in the stands, I guess, with your wife or daughter, and you're crying. I mean, yeah. it must have been maybe as hard on you and your family as it was on Jake. Probably harder. You know, I'm serious, John. I, I, you know, I played. I played with a lot of guys that have won cups. I played in the playoffs and, you know, never went on that length of a run, but, you know, had a little bit of success in the playoffs in different leagues with the OHL, with the AHL. But I will tell you, um, as a parent, you only want the best for your kids. That's anybody, any walk of life. You want the best for your kids, and you know you live vicariously through them. To sit up there and just feel so helpless watching that go down the way it went down, it was really difficult. I was so proud of them too, though. I was so proud of them, the way they battled and were able to get to that point and give themselves a chance, especially in Game 6, going into that St. Louis building. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I mean, listen, that is not an easy building to play in. The fans there are tremendous. If anybody hasn't been there, I'll tell you, I love doing games in there, and I was between the benches with Darren Pang. We had a blast down there because it was loud, and it was great. But I'll tell you, the, to pull out that Game 6 win and give themselves a chance in a Game 7 to win it, um, you know what? Hats off to them. It was, they battled right to the end. It was just you know, somebody has to win, somebody has to lose. So, And that's the way it worked out. Louis, thanks for your time. We appreciate it very much. We enjoy your work, and continued good luck. My pleasure, bud. Thanks. All right, that's Louis DeBrusque, a longtime broadcaster and John in the Kelly NHL. Back on Behind the Bench Much with Alexander on the bench Steen, who this. will play in game number 1,000 tomorrow night in Winnipeg, your hometown. And Alexander, I know you've talked about the game and the thousandth game quite a bit, but what are your emotions as you get ready to play in your hometown? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously starting to get a little uh, um, emotional and excited for, for that game. I've got to stay 
stay on course and, and obviously focus has to lay on the on the game against uh, the Oilers first and foremost. And um, but yeah, it's obviously very special. Right? And that's you know for us uh, <laughs> as a family with all the games that I've played and injuries I've had throughout the career and the fact that they didn't even have a team for a while and for the game to fall on on that game is um, is pretty exciting and, and funny how things like that work out. Yeah, you had a one in thirty one chance, I guess, of playing in your hometown. What do you remember about your first game as a Toronto Maple Leaf? Um, uh, quite a bit. I think the first, my first two games uh, were Ottawa and, and Montreal, big rivalry games. And the first one against Ottawa, it was a lot of getting settled in, kind of. You know, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of. Uh, curiosity and, and nerves and um, you know you look at the people you're sitting next to on the bench and a lot of them are the guys that you grew up watching and especially guys like Mats and, and you know Ty Domi played with my father in, in Winnipeg and kind of grew up with guys like that and to be on the same bench as them and then was fortunate enough to get the first one under my belt against Montreal in the next game at home and um, I still remember all those uh, and how excited I was and um, I remember Ty coming up to me after the goal and he scored, I think, the shift after, two shifts after. And so we had, uh, yeah, it was a fun group and, you know, a, a veteran lineup. And it was a lot of fun. Of course, your dad, a longtime NHL. How many games did he end up playing in the NHL? Uh, I think 950, somewhere in that. Right. Yeah. What, what What are your memories of him as a, as a kid when you used to hang around the locker room and, I guess, dream of being an NHLer? Uh, there's a lot of memories. I, we, uh, Randy Carlisle and, and my father are actually getting their numbers retired on February 11th in Winnipeg and together and uh, Randy uh, has a son named Craig who's my age and Andy Murray was a, a coach in Winnipeg and his son Brady was our age too so we were three of us running around that room and um, Craig Zeisberger the uh, uh, Zinger who works as the equipment manager there is the assistant GM in, in uh, Winnipeg he was uh, really good to me he let me hang out in his office and, and run around there and while the guys were in the room or get, having meetings and going on the ice and then I was everyone was great to me and let me be a part of the room and and see what they went through on a daily basis and you know skate with them and goof around so they were they were always great to me uh, and obviously your dad will be there you have a lot of family and friends coming in for the game Alex yeah my both my parents my brother and my sister um, a lot of family friends a lot of people that I grew up with um, you know I lived there until I was about 11 years old and a lot of the kids that uh, I hung around there and in the summertime um, you know it'll be definitely a cool moment that's for sure aside from your, your dad who has been the, the the biggest mentor to you in your NHL career the guy that's really helped you a lot uh, my previous agent, I would have to say, Don Baisley, was a uh, was a huge influence on me. Um, he passed away a few years ago, uh, but he was a uh, a massive part in, in why I am where I am today, both on and off the ice. And um, and then I'd have to acknowledge all the guys in the in the Jets roster that allowed me to come up and, and or come down there and goof around with them. Kind of when you're around guys as much as I was able to. I don't think you fully understand it as a kid, how, how lucky you are to be around. You're just kind of being a kid. But as I grew up, I understood the value of it. And, uh, I think you, I was able to see 
and kind of pick things from each guy. I never really grew up with one one idol. I kind of moved, switched it out every once in a while. And uh, I had a lot of guys I looked up to, and and I think the biggest part was seeing the way they handled themselves professionally uh, off the ice, uh, stuff like that, for sure. Finally, Alexander, um, obviously you're a first-round draft choice of Toronto coming to St. Louis. Yeah. Now you've won a Stanley Cup. Um, now a thousand games. I mean, is it fair to say you've sort of done it all in your career now, and it's been a pretty good run? Yeah, it has been. A, it's been a blast. I, you know, I'm so grateful to the the city and the and the organization, and it's um, the community, the way they've taken us in, and. and you know, supported us since the day we got to St. Louis and and then the teammates I've had I mean I've been extremely lucky and fortunate to have such great teams both on and, and especially off the ice we've always had a tight-knit group and uh, been a connected um, connected team and uh, you know that's obviously helped me get to where I am today and, and something that I'm extremely grateful for and when I'm, everything's all said and done that's uh, probably what I'm going to look back at the most is the connection we've had with the, the city, our wonderful organization, and, and my uh, my teammates. Alexander, thanks for the time. Enjoy the weekend. I'm sure it's going to be a special night. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. That's Alexander Steen. Much more after this on 101 ESPN. And our final segment tonight on Behind the Bench is with Edmonton Radio play-by-play man Jack Michaels. And Jack, obviously it's the third and final meeting this year between the Blues and Oilers. You see this Oiler club play every single night. What are the keys as far as the Oilers are concerned to get two points tonight against the Stanley Cup champs? Well, for me, it's actually related to a game that you saw personally live. And that's the strange dichotomy of is it possible that a game against the defending Stanley Cup champions could be somehow a trap game and it's weird to even comprehend that and I don't mean it as an insult to St. Louis but coming off the level of emotional engagement that was required on Wednesday night in that Battle of Alberta against the Calgary Flames of course Matthew Kachuk uh, son of son of Keith uh, had engendered a lot of hostility amongst the faithful and and quite frankly that was a game where both teams were fired up for it and Edmonton and play, Calgary played an exceptionally hard game especially by regular season standards, so much so that it's not often in the last minute of a game like that. You see both teams kind of playing for overtime out of necessity, but that's what we saw. That There was nothing strategical about that. I, I thought both teams were gassed. I thought both teams were gassed at the end of overtime, and now you've got to reach a certain level of emotional pitch. And Dave Tippett, I think, understands that. And to combat that, you saw a rare back-to-back optional situation where on a regularly scheduled practice day, you Yesterday, it was an optional for the players, and then the morning skate today was also an optional for the players. So my hunch is that he told each of his players, hey, try to get one skate in over the next two days and be ready to go because they're going to need it. I do think the fact that St. Louis is the champs, that's going to make sure there's no emotional letdown. But I do think it'll be interesting to see, especially at the start, if Edmonton can match the kind of pitch they're going to need to deal with St. Louis. So you mentioned the Cassian Kachuk battle, and of course, they fought the other night, and it's their second fight this year. 
and you play them again tomorrow night in Calgary. So is the Cassian Kachuk battle over, or does it continue tomorrow night? I, I think it's over for the most part. The it wasn't so much that they necessarily fought the first time. The the first time was more a, a direct result of Zach Cassian answering for what he felt was being freight trained twice in the same game by Matthew Kachuk and basically being targeted. And as Cassian said, you know, I'm not a guy you can target. I'm going to go, you know, I mean, St. Louis had a player on its team for years. No one's going around belting Ryan Reeves without expecting to eventually answer for that. And, and that's kind of what was at, at play there. Kachuk didn't answer the first time. He answered the other night. And what was interesting about it is Cassian played a little bit of a mental game with him because, as you know, being at the game, John, Kachuk asked him to fight the first shift and Cassian said, ah, well, we'll fight a little bit later. And, and you've been in the game long enough to know that that's how those guys operate. They want mental edges, the game within a game, and it was all about gamesmanship. I think that individual battle might be over, but I still expect uh, you know, a very fiercely fought uh, contest on Saturday night. But th- again, we're talking about the Battle of Alberta here, and Edmonton's mentality has to be St. Louis is not only the defending Stanley Cup champions, the leading team in the Western Conference, and I get the sense, and you'd be the one to say this, I don't think the Blues are overwhelmed about how they're playing right now. They've probably got a little bit of a, a sour taste about not just results, but their general uh, flow of play in the last five or six games that they've competed in. So I, I think it's the St. Louis club that's going to arrive in a bit of a nasty mood tonight. So Edmonton better be ready. Speaking of Edmonton, of course, they've missed the playoffs 12 of the last 13 years. How important is it for the fan base and Oiler Nation for this team to make the playoffs this year, Jack? Well, especially giving the fans a tease. I mean, they, they, they've led the Pacific Division the most days of anyone in that division right now. And everyone knows the Pacific. I don't think there's a team that's going to run away with it. I don't think there's a 105-point team in the division, whereas you know St. Louis is looking like a team that's that's going to reach that kind of plateau. And who knows, if Colorado hits a hot streak, they might make a serious run at 100 points as well. The Pacific is wide open. So this is a year you've got to make it, especially when you've missed 12 out of 13. So uh, And you've been in first place for a huge chunk of the season. So to not make it this year I think would be a huge emotional letdown and and put yourself in a situation where you don't want to be with the fan base. So uh, that's that's you know it's 32 games from now, but Edmonton in a stretch right now where not only they've got St. Louis and Calgary, but on the backside of that they've got a date with Arizona. So this is a vital part of the schedule, and quite frankly for Dave Tippett and Ken Holland and their first go round, they're going to find out a lot about this club by the end of next week. Again, we're talking with Jack Michaels, longtime voice of the Edmonton Oilers. I say long time. You've been here since 2010, and you're you're an American from the Pittsburgh area. So how does a Pittsburgh guy end up as the radio voice of the Edmonton Oilers? Well, John, you have firsthand knowledge of this. Uh, a lack of talent and chasing minor league jobs across the country <laughs> and grinding it out for nearly a 1,000 games in the minors. Uh, I, I started out in Colorado Springs uh, with a team that uh, was coached by uh, 
uh, one-time Boston Bruins defenseman Al Peterson. And and when that team went under for financial reasons, as you know, uh, the minor leagues are filled with stories like that. Uh, I ended up kind of chasing it in Anchorage. And Davis Payne, the former St. Louis Blues coach, uh, ran into him up there. He was head coach of the club for, for four largely successful seasons, including a, an ECHL championship. So, yeah, I've had to chase it a little bit. And, uh, you know, some guys are are in the league in their in their mid-20s and enjoy a 40-, 50-year career. I didn't have the talent to get there that soon. So uh, I grinded it out and eventually kind of the last man standing. And uh, very fortunate to get this job. I almost didn't apply for it as an American applying for a Canadian job. To my knowledge, John, and, and you know the league a little bit more than I am, but I believe I might be the first American ever to do regular play-by-play for a Canadian team. Yeah, it's really quite amazing. What was the reaction here at Edmonton when when they hired you? And you do a great job, don't get me wrong, yeah. but you know, I, I guess the obvious question would be, well, why didn't they hire a Canadian? Well, there was a small faction, I think, who, who kind of raised an eyebrow, but the one thing is, and it really worked in my favor, is Edmonton had never hired for this position before. When they, you know, Rod Phillips was working for a local radio station when they came into the WHA and basically put his hand up and said, I'll do the games. I mean, it, that's just how it worked back then in the early 70s, especially with a fledgling operation like the World Hockey Association, and, and at that time, the Alberta Oilers, you know, with Bill Hunter and everything. So, he just, there wasn't a process, he just kind of all Volunteered. So they had never hired for the position before. It worked in my favor in the sense they looked at everyone. And I think it also worked in my favor in the sense that everyone, whoever came in here, I mean, they could have brought Chris Cuthbert or yeah, whoever came in here wasn't going to be Rod Phillips. I mean, he was the voice of the team. And you know this having, you know, been an icon yourself, but also having an iconic father. No one's replacing guys like Dan Kelly and, and Rod Phillips. These are lock, stock, and barrel Hall of Famers, voices of a generation, not just voice of a hockey team. I was just the voice of a hockey team coming in. So I think that actually worked in the sense that my expectations in and around town, not that they were low, but everyone was like, well, no matter who he hired, he wasn't going to be Rod. And that strangely, I think, helped gain ex- acceptance for me right off the hop, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does a lot, and uh, you do an excellent job. Tell me quickly about your time in the East Coast League in Alaska. You mentioned Davis Payne was up there. I can't imagine how difficult that would be to call games from a team that's based in Alaska. Well, it actually was an exciting opportunity in the sense that so often in these minor league markets, and this is why you see a lot of teams go under, at least in the States, there's fly-by-nights, as you know, there used to be that huge Louisiana-Mississippi pocket in the Southeast, and all those teams eventually went away once the bloom of a new sport and a new operation went away. But in Alaska, it was the only game in town. It was very similar to kind of what Edmonton has here. And I know they have the Eskimos, but that's the CFL, and it's not one of the four core major North American pro sports. In Alaska, they had nothing. They were the only pro sports team, period. And so there was a lot of interest. And, you know, you're also talking about a particular era where guys like Scott Gomez and Nate Thompson and, you know, were were breaking into the league and having an impact. And it's the only real sport they play up there that's going to be – 
a, a real, I mean, sure, Trajan Langdon, Carlos Boozer, there's a couple of exceptions, but hockey's the sport up there. So I was calling for the only pro spe- sports and team for by far the only game in town. So it actually, I, I had a good following up there, and there was a lot of interest in the team. And in a, in a place that held 6,300 seats, you had 5,000 every night. So that feels like 85% full, it, you know, small. There was a lot of noise up there and a lot of excitement around the team. So it actually was a pleasure because unlike so many minor league operations, it felt like what you were doing mattered. Did you ever have a chance to see Pareko play collegiately in Alaska? I, I didn't. He played for the University of Alaska Fairbanks, and those were Governor's Cup games. That's what they call it up there, University of Alaska Fairbanks versus the University of Alaska Anchorage. Um, Colton Pareko played for a program that at one time had Guy Godowski, who I know you know is long time now, NCAA Division One coach. And before that, uh, you had Don Lucci up there. I mean, so they've had some big names in that program. I never had a chance to see him play personally. I know that there are a lot of Edmonton Oilers fans wondering how they missed <laughs> this guy because he is uh, proven to be a tremendous player and, as you know, uh, not only a great player, but Colton's one of those guys that's a real pleasure to talk to off the ice. Yeah, no question. Hey, Jack Michaels, thank you very much. Uh, let's have some fun tonight as the Blues and Oilers wrap up the regular season series. Always a pleasure, John. Thanks. All right, that is the longtime radio voice of the Oilers, Jack Michaels. Again, tonight's show brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Boardwalk has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Visit a showroom in Crestwood, Manchester, or St. Peter's, or online at boardwalkhardwood.com. That is our show for this week. Thanks to the head coach, Craig Berube, Alexander Steen, also Jack Michaels. I'm John Kelly. Have a great every night, everyone, as the Blues get set to take on the Oilers tonight here in Edmonton.